Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hey guys, welcome back to the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Bundesliga, Premier League and European competition, we have Another episode full of the European highlights with the European tour. But with me as always, the Champions League title to my Bayern Munich, Billy. I'll let you have that one purely because you've just won it. It was, it was such a given the minute. Ah, 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 it's, it's amazing. We are, we are back on top. Not the least bit biased this week. Uh, not, the, not even... Not even going to. I, I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to hide the bias. It's, I'm on cloud nine. It's okay. I think we can allow you that. But it's finals episode this week. Uh, we'll start with the the lesser of the two, I suppose. We'll yeah. Quickly go over the Europa League final. I I know you didn't watch it. Well, I did we'll purely out of spite. You watched it purely out of spite. Yeah. What can I say? You know, you've got a team full of ex-United players. Not going to want them I mean, to win. Why don't we just start off with the funniest thing? The fact that Diego Carlos gives away, for the third straight match, a penalty. <laughs> yeah, penalty against Wolves, uh, which Jimenez missed. A penalty oh. against United, which Fernandez scored. And then a penalty against Inter. And Lukaku scored that, which gave him his 34th goal for Inter, which equals R9 Ronaldo's record for Inter in his first season, which is nothing short of insane. That is just a ridiculous stat. I love how a lot of people, I'm not saying you were among them, but a lot of people said when Lukaku was at United, oh, he's such a shit striker. He's got a touch that sends him down the M25, Um, you know, all the rest of it. I'm not saying the, you know, the touch down the M25 is wrong, but I think he took a lot of stick that, mm, I'd say he silences critics. Definitely. But I think it's because he's being played the way that suits Lukaku. So I was talking to one of my mates who supports West Brom and he was on loan at West Brom. It was his first like major season on loan from Chelsea in the Premier League. And he was yeah. their main man. It was knock it long to Lukaku. He'll run onto it. He, he used to breeze past, blitz past players. Yeah. And he was outstanding for him. Like, he scored a hat-trick in, on the final day, day of the season in Fergie's last game, the 5 all, That was and, a match in and of itself. Jesus. Exactly. And then he went to Everton and more so at United as well. He was used as a target man. Yeah. And he's not really a... He's big and he's good at physicality, but he's not a typical target man like a Olivier Giroud that will hold, you know, touch the ball down and hold it up because he hasn't got the best touch. Yeah, but yeah. If you knock it in behind... 
he's got enough pace and enough power to blitz past and blitz through. Yeah, that's exactly. Why, that's why I think Antonio Conte has got the best out of him. But it was the the Sevilla strikers that hadn't scored for eleven games until he played United. Got ten <laughs> in the final. Luke Dion. So Luke Dion, who couldn't get a goal for Newcastle when he was there. Got two in, in a European final. And then Diego Carlos, the villain of the first half, almost. <laughs> Overhead kick. Unfortunately, we, it's, it's been given to Diego Carlos, but it took a huge deflection in off Lukaku. He just stuck a leg out. How do you start? Oh, have you know it's actually been marked down as a Romelu Lukaku? Uh, Lukaku oh, it has. I was just saying on on Sky, it's been given to uh, Diego Carlos, but officially, I think it should have gone down as a Lukaku and goal. And like I said, it which it, yeah, which it, which I think it has. So at least I, I just did a quick <clears throat> Google search of it. Um, officially online, the first search you get, it says Lukaku on goal. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I was gonna say it took a massive deflection off Lukaku, who just stuck a leg out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So Sevilla won their their trophy. I was going to say that's their sixth. That's their sixth Europa League uh, Europa League title. It'd which be is... interesting to see how they get on in the Champions League because I know when they won it three years on the spot, they always went back to they the Europa out, League. They went out in the group stages. So it'd be interesting to see how they play against Europe's elite. It, it makes it almost it makes it almost seem as if they're like uh, not really feeling Champions League football because we know we're gonna get decked, but we know the Europa League that's our that's our shit. Uh, we'll we'll just take the L and go back to the Europa League and win that one again. You know, just just the cycle of win the Europa League, get third in the group stages, go right back to the Europa League, win the whole thing again, repeat. Well, it's difficult to get. Uh, automatic Champions League in Spain with the teams above them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it seems like the most... Oh, it's, it's a risky move, but it seems like the most logical route to take. But I want to talk about the managers because Lopetegui's had an absolute... There's no, there's no nice way. He's had a shocking couple of years. You know, gets the pinnacle job for a, a Spanish manager. He gets the Spain job. Right ahead of the World Cup as right well. Right ahead of a World Cup. And then two days before is sacked because he's taken the Real Madrid job, which again, you could argue is, is a <clears throat> pinnacle job for a Spanish manager, for any manager. Yeah, I think that was a bit harsh by the Spanish Federation as well. And the Spanish Federation did themselves no favors whatsoever because you sack a manager two days before the tournament starts, you're bound to go get to go and get knocked out in the group stages. The fact that they made it to the round of 16, I think already speaks just for the quality that was still in that team. But any manager or no manager in their right mind would have taken that job two days in advance because, I mean, you have to replace half the coaching staff for one thing on short notice. You have to come up with a whole game plan, not knowing exactly who's in the team or basically not being prepared for who's in the team. Obviously there'll be, you know, any potential manager would know who's in that team, but it's, that was just such a, such a blindsided dumb move. It uh, was, it, it really hurt. It really hurt to watch. Yeah. But 
it's kind of a a redemption arc because it's a major European trophy, no matter what anyone says about the Europa League. Oh yeah, definitely. He did. I mean, of those Sevilla players and coaching staff, their manager deserved it more than anything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Antonio Conte still not won a European trophy. And that's the interesting one that I want to talk about, actually, is Antonio Conte, because he said after they lost, so I've got the quote here, um, we're going to meet next week with the club and we'll decide about my future. I'm not sure that I will be into manager next season. One that sounds season, a lot. finished a point behind Juve. That sounds a lot like he just said, that was my final game as inter manager. I'm not going to be there next season. Like I, I'm sorry. The wording of that is basic is more or less saying I'm going to leave it open to speculation if I'm going to stay or not. But in reality, I already know I'm not going to be manager. But I can't understand the reasoning behind that. Oh no, I don't either. A couple either. more players, and they they may beat Juve next season. I mean, that being said, you're talking about an Inter team who were dominated by Sevilla with, you know, statistically speaking, the shots on target and the shots in general. I don't know. It just seems he's, he's come in and he's essentially building something. Because Inter Milan for years have been, let's be honest, shit. Well, ever since the treble, really. Yeah. It's the first time... You know, it, it boggles me that they're, they're even considering sacking him. So, oh, well, you didn't win a European trophy this season and you finished a point behind Juve. Yeah, well, yeah but behind, I'm... I know that's not where Inter Milan want to be. They want to be above Juve. They want to be winning stuff. But Yeah, but I think, you have, I think that's down to their, to their board of directors and the fact that they have, you know, Chinese owners who... I think are very much just looking at the fact of I want results. And if I don't get them yesterday, then the guy who's in charge is getting sacked. It's much the same. I think it's just the same mentality when you don't have a board of directors or um, owners who, you know, are knowing knowledgeable of the way football in Europe works. Because, you know, when you have American owners or, um, or <laughs> yeah. Asian owners in general, it's just, you know, they always want quick results, quick and easy, you know, the quicker, the better. And if, you know, something doesn't happen within a season, then it's bye-bye manager and, you know, maybe even some of the top players. It's a toxic, it's a toxic trait to, you know, have because obviously the clubs are very much reliant on the funds provided by these owners. But then on the other hand, the owners have a say. So, yeah, I think that's the one thing I can, uh, sort of the one thing I can say in defense of the Glazer family because they also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. So they have some idea of how a sports club works. I mean, they're still shit, and there's been a lot of backlash recent, like in the last few days about it. But I'd rather have someone appreciate the fact that there's something going on. There's a process behind something. Exactly. And have someone go, "Oh well, you got Champions League, but you lost to Sevilla in the semi-final, so pack your bags." Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But on your bike. On, on your bike. Before we move on to the Champions League, I just want to uh, my highlight of the entire. 
Europa League run was <laughs> was Ava Benega asking Antonio Conte if he wore a wig and Antonio Conte saying, I'll wait for you outside. <laughs> That's a great little anecdote. That's a great little anecdote. Because you see the pictures from when he used to play at Juve and it's... Oh, the man had... The man was going to... Was heading for bald at 35. He's had a good... He's had a good hair job done. I don't necessarily think it's a wig. Can you imagine though? The scenes... I mean, to be fair, that's that's similar to when um I think Jurgen Klopp at some point when he was still at Dortmund, you know, beginning of the twenty two thousand tens, um he was asked by a reporter as well, you gotten a hair uh or ba- hair plug or um or like hair implants, and he said, "Fuck yeah, it looks good, doesn't it?" <laughs> yeah, he's like the man fully admitted to when he had his teeth done as well when he moved to Liverpool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, "I don't want Bobby Firmino's ones, like oh, too bright." Jeez. So come on then. I'm pretty sure Firmino and Coutinho both got veneers done. So, <laughs> on the subject of Coutinho, Barcelona now owe Liverpool more money because of what? five million pounds to be <laughs> exact, taking up the grand total to wait for it, 150 million pounds. <laughs> He's so not worth that at all. <laughs> He's not even worth half of it, but I still think it's hilarious. But, you know, the actual segue I was going to use um, when to go from Europa League to Champions League was seeing as we were just talking about no one having respect for the process and expecting a manager to win instantaneously, Bayern somehow managed to get a manager who was completely unproven to, within the space of seven months, win them a treble and not lose a single game. <laughs> Give the keys to the caretaker. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure at this point that the Bayern board were already saying, you know, their contract of that till 2023 that they offered Hansi Flick, that they, they just want to get him to sign on another 10 years under that contract. Just purely from an emotional standpoint. Like, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. It's, I, I can't work out whether it's him being some sort of managerial genius or whether it's the fact that he just played your better players. It's, I think like it's a he didn't, mix. He I, didn't, <laughs> didn't tell Thomas Muller, who, argue, other than Lewandowski, was your best player this season, didn't tell Thomas Muller, no, I don't want you to play for me anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, th- that's the thing, is he just, he had the dressing room, he had the respect of the dressing room, but apparently he also, he brought some ideas in, namely the unbelievably effective uh, pressing on the ball when Bayern have just immediately lost it. Like the, the switch between going forward and attacking to just doing pure pressing was unreal because usually teams who press high like that into the, into the um, opposing half and try and force their opponents to give the ball up in the buildup play they won't be able to last for more than 45 minutes, maybe an hour. But he somehow managed to get the fitness level just right in this whole team so that Bayern could literally press from uh, do extremely aggressive uh, pressing from the first minute all the way to the 90th plus three. I think that was probably one of the main assets. I mean, the way you played since, is it November? Yeah. No, December was, I think, his first official match, yeah. It's unreal. And then, you know, the first team to go 11 games unbeaten in a Champions League run 
Okay, it's first team to ever play a perfect Champions League season. I mean, I know people are going to be like, oh, well, if imagine they had had two legs for the for the quarterfinal and the semifinal, then it might they might have been on been unbeaten. I'm sorry, fuck off. <laughs> no. You did have two legs for the quarters, didn't you? Nah, we did. We only had two legs for the for the round of sixteen. Oh well, yeah, the Chelsea one was round of sixteen, wasn't it? Exactly. exactly. Ignore me. But I mean, I'm sorry. We, if you're going to if you're going to make that argument, then we shouldn't have beaten the record for amount of goals scored by a single team in a single season. But we did, and we had three less games to do it, or two less games. Sorry. You know, it's, it's ridiculous what he's what. Hansi Flick has done at Bayern and I, I, I'm hard pressed to pick another team that will challenge next season because you're adding Leroy Sade to that attack which you think he'd just slip in on the left hand side over Kings of Coman yeah. Coman because you won't have Paris well, well we don't Perisic know Perisic is actually Perisic. an interesting one because he might that, there's still a little bit up in the air but yeah like you were saying, the the attack is the attack is definitely unreal. The defensive, the base, defensively, I'd say we're not even at a hundred percent because we've had our you know the main. Funnily enough, the two center backs that were supposed to be starting were injured for a good part of the season, more than seventy five percent, and yet we still managed to win a treble. See, it's because you're just so much better than everyone in Germany. And, you know, yeah. you, you, know you can't argue with me about that. You are league no, above everyone else. Yeah. It's only the Champions League where you are pushed normally. Yeah. And even that. <clears throat> but enough of this Bayern love fest. For now, I want to talk about the actual game. Because I know our opinions on this differ. I no, okay, they, they, they differ less than you think, but yes, do but go on. I think it was an atrocious game. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say it was an atrocious match, but I want to hear your reasoning for why first. It just Both teams, I think it felt like... it. I know it's going to sound stupid because it is normally the last game of a season. But it felt like the last game of the season, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like lethargic, <laughs> not was, really, yeah, you know, just lethargic, wanting to get it over with. Silly mistakes, misplaced passes. I mean, your pass accuracy was 84, and PSG's was 74%. Character, uncharacteristically low for both. That's what I mean. Like, I can't. I can't imagine a world where you look at that and think, hmm, PSG have had 74% pass accuracy. That's fine. But it just felt like everyone was at the end. Everyone was sort of not running on empty because it was still a high-intensity game. But there was no... Everyone was like, oh, it's going to be like 4 all or something and they're going to win on penalties or it's going to be massively open and free-flowing. But it wasn't. And I... I I don't want to criticize Alfonso Davies because I love him. But I think <laughs> his naivety showed a little bit. Like, he didn't have the best game he's had. It was arguably his worst game for Bayern. 
But I'd argue yeah, that okay. will come with experience because he's in a team where he's going to be in those positions, if not every year, then four out of five seasons. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm going to first of all go back to the game because I do see your point as to why you you would think that it was an atrocious final. I'm going to go ahead and say not quite because there was a very high intensity and I still think that both teams were playing at a very high level. That being said, if two teams are playing at a high level, there are going to be a certain amount of mistakes being forced because both teams are going to also going to be defending at a higher level. Meaning that yes, the pass accuracy is going to be a little bit harsher. Um, The shots or the chances created are going to be a little bit more sparing one thing I didn't expect was the fact that, you know, they would be that sparing because you're talking about the two teams that had, that had had the most high-powered um, offensive lines, if you will, or offensive, uh, offensive attacking players um, and just scoring, you know, a sheer amount of goals. Everyone expected, I think, that to be a high-powered game and thus might have been disappointed. Yes, I get that. But I still think that it was a very intense game. And both teams were very much, you know, on a knife's edge where it came to some of the time not being able to um, string a couple of passes together because they were thinking, you know, oof, I'm, I've, ordinarily I'd try that, but this is a Champions League final. I'm going to go for that pass. But then that one also, I thought about it too much. And then that pass was also not free anymore. It was things like that. So I think that it was a little bit of the pressure of this massive game on both teams that played a little part in that. I think Mbappe was poor as well. Like, not... He wasn't drastically poor. Not like, take him off at half-time, Thomas. Type. I give... That that opportunity he had, centre of the box. The one that was offside. Straight at Manuel Neuer. And then he had that one. Granted, he was offside, but again, straight annoying. He had another one like that as well. Hit it straight. Okay, when Neuer. everyone whether says whether that's Mbappe being poor or whether that's just Neuer being an utter wall, he's up. For I was about to say because you're ta- you're asking. Um, if you look at the sequence again, Mbappe turning on the diamond, shooting like that, maybe his um, maybe his finish could have been a little bit better. But when you're turning on the dime and shooting in that position and all of a sudden the goalkeeper is about five yards out when he was just 12, that's going to obviously play with a striker's head. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Even if Naya makes himself as big as he did, which granted is freaking massive, there's still a lot of the goal to aim at. But closing down, but a goalkeeper closing down the angle and making himself big already speaks to the goalkeeper's quality. So I think it's very hard to say that every, like I've been reading in a lot of comments on social media and such where people have said, you know, oh, Mbappe was shit. You know, my grandma could have saved that. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. A few of the top five goalkeepers in the world right now would not have made that save. I can tell yeah, you right now, still- Allison, uh, Allison Ederson, Probably wouldn't have made that save. Jan Oblak, maybe. Tesh Stegen, maybe. He's still at the top of his game. Manuel Neuer. I mean, I'd argue right now he's the best keeper in the world. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, so he's, he's proven it. Like, yeah, you make saves like that in a Champions League final. Not just the Champions League final as well. The whole final tournament. I mean, we're talking about that unreal save um, against Lyon where, you know, the guy was through on goal as well. You're yeah. talking about when it was 1-1 and Luis Suarez goes through on goal. You know, imagine he had scored that. Bayern probably wouldn't have smacked Barcelona 8-2. No, you're or, right. It gives you it gives your defense a bit of a, a boost as well when you know that even if you do make a mistake, you've got a keeper like that. If you've got a keeper making mistakes, I don't want to bring him up again, but like Kepper, it makes yeah. the defenders in front of you nervous fuck it's like oh, I, I really best be overly cautious of this and if you're overly cautious you overthink if you overthink you make mistakes and if yeah. your center backs make mistakes in front of a mistake prone goalkeeper you're gonna concede goals which you know i'd say at the end of the chelsea season this season you can argue that happened 100 <laughs> percent. i want to talk subs benches because i think yours probably helped you see that game out because yeah. when you're able to bring on Nicolas Sula, Philip Coutinho, Ivan Perisic and Quarantine Taliso and That's PSG bring deep. on Marco Verratti, Maxime Choupo-Moting, Luan Kazawa and Julian Draxler. It's a ben- it's that's a, just a squad depth that is There's that's a golfing class on the two yeah. benches. Yeah. And I mean, you say there's a golfing class, yet PSG have spent on two players alone in Mbappe and Neymar. PSG have spent the equivalent equivalent of what Bayern of of three times the amount that Bayern spent on their whole starting eleven for that Champions League final. Which is mad, but then again, Bayern have never been. You know, you don't spend. Hundreds of millions of euros on players. I mean, fact, goes, I'd say Leroy Sane for relatively forty-five as mil. As you have, is yeah. obscene. Well, I mean, I'd say that that goes back to that. It's it's the polar opposite of what I uh, laid into the top Spanish clubs for doing a couple of episodes ago, which was um, which was overspending on players that don't fit your philosophy. And I'd say Bayern is the exact opposite of that spectrum spending as little money as possible, but always making sure that the player fits into the system and the philosophy of the club. And also making sure that the manager wants that player and can put that player somewhere in this team. Yeah, and it shows that you buy players that fit, which I think is what a lot of managers have started to do, like Solskjaer's doing it at United. Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool. He did it at Dortmund as well. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Frank Lampard, is he doing it at Chelsea? We'll have to see if the signings... I was about to say, because you're looking at at signing Kai Havertz when you've already got Mason Mount, and at some point you're going to have, you know, three number 10 players in that Chelsea squad who are going to be sitting there thinking, well, each one of them actually deserves to have a number 10 or have the starting spot when you look at the quality alone, but... You know, there's no space. And Thiago Silva, that's just papering over the cracks. I mean, as good as he has been, he's too old for the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was his final match. I'd still say that he was the one who held PSG's defense together. You imagine he was what leader. they're going to do without him. Yeah, 
even I mean, as much as he is old, I'd still say he'll be a good leader. He'll be a good defensive. Have him and as Pilaguetta in the same back four. Yeah, I don't think he's got the legs on him anymore. I think that remains to be seen. We'll just have to wait and see when where that's concerned. But But before we talk about the goal, I've got something that I brought it up yesterday in our group chat. The it's sort of like, I mean, fair enough to uh, is it Ron Thorben Hoffman? Ron Thorben Hoffman, yeah, that's the one, and Zerk Z. All the youth players, basically, who are included in the squad. Yeah. Why are they getting a medal? Why is your third-choice goalkeeper getting a, a UCL winner's medal? He's, on, he's done nothing. He's, I mean, he's there on the bench with his trainers on. I realize, but the thing is just that, you know, at this... And you can't tell me it's old because he keeps Neuer on his toes. He pushes him. No, he doesn't. No, 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 no. Obvious... Obviously, obviously not, but it's just the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to include a certain amount of players in your Champions League squad and including the youth players in your Champions League squad is how you give them playing time and you slowly develop them. Obviously, I agree with you that they didn't do much to warrant a Champions League winner's medal, but at the end of the day, they're still part of the squad and everyone is part of the squad. Should it not be like the Premier League or like the leagues, though, where you have to have played a certain number of minutes? I guess you could could say that. Bayern Munich are going to have at least two gimme games in the group stages when they qualified after the first three games. Yeah, I mean, that's usually when they play the youth players anyway, so... You know, like, you get some Premier League players, you know, they're they're in the Premier League squad, but they've not played enough minutes to get a medal. I I, I agree with you. I think that, that might be a... That might be a... That might be a good... Or there's an argument there, definitely. But, I mean, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, they're in the squad, they get the medal, that's how it is. You can imagine Hoffman's kids gather, oh, Dad, can you tell us how... About that Champions League medal, yeah, I uh, I sat on my ass for ninety five minutes, and uh, and some lovely French man gave me a medal. <laughs> oh, can we quickly talk about the fact that how that how the guy who was handing out the medals he had a solid freaking routine where he would go up, medal on, and then swoop the right arm or the left arm went back, grabs the medal that he gets from his. Uh, his assistant there and he just had this whole routine where it was all it looked like a small dance you know for all the medals he was giving out it was you know he stood in front of his mirror doing that the night before oh guaranteed also if you're going to be engraving the champions league trophy and you know all that's going to be on tv is your hands you might want to invest in some freaking nail clippers bro i know that's that's what brandon said Jesus like, Christ! Like, I the don't talons. care about the Champions League thing. Just look at that man's hands. <laughs> the talons on this guy, the freaking claws. Mate, he had, he had, a, he had more than a few coke nails. Bro, that was. Uh... Oh, but I know what a coke nail is, mum. <laughs> I know she listens yeah, to this. I'm sorry, but seriously, like that's Jesus Christ. You'd think pr- someone, I mean, would, my, someone my... would go. Mate, you're doing the Champions League engraving, right? That's going to be yeah. on TV, yeah? yeah. Do you want to yeah. maybe go and get a pedi? No, that's feet. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I think they're fine. You know, I need, I need, I need to be able to get some of the uh, some of the silver chafings out of the grooves. You know, 
<laughs> no, it's fine. Mm. I need these to dig into the, uh, the the carcass of a small woodland animal. <laughs> exactly. Right. We're, we're <laughs> uh, okay. We, we said we'd make this a short episode. We're already going a bit it's, over. It's, it's 32 minutes long, but it's fine. Last the, episode the, the, the single goal the single goal came from maybe the most unexpected player to get it and granted i said this at the at the in the first couple of minutes of the game where tito kela had uh kingsley coman pretty much you know in his back pocket given this is we're talking just about the first 15 minutes afterwards coman spun tilo tilo kela once and kela didn't know where it was left right and center you see, once that first move happened, it was oh, game over. It's gonna be a long night. Oh, it's gonna be a long night for the poor kid. And you know, he. I said, I said after the first fifteen minutes, I said, Coman has sad as sad as it is to say, Coman has zero end product. How did this kid prove me wrong? He, I mean, five <laughs> minutes, literally five, not even five minutes, five seconds after that, after I said that. He goes and whips in a cross. That was probably the most dangerous thing that happened in that in that first spin of the game. Then he goes and scores a header, which the guy's five foot ten. He's not meant to be scoring the headers. But then again, that was the it was a, a feature. You know, you flooded the box with play. It was a great ball in by uh, Joshua Kimmich. Yeah, you flood the box with that many players. Chances are it's going to go to one of yours. And I oh, think Lewandowski definitely. distracted, yeah, we distracted Kera and Thiago Silva. I want to say, yeah, Thiago Silva. I think he distracted to leave him both completely of those open to leave Coman yeah. free. And it was, I mean, it was a great team goal as well. Yeah, yeah. But did you? I don't know whether you heard what Hansi Flick said after, or whether you were too busy drinking, shouting. I was having, I, I was having a, I was having crying. a victory smoke. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Very nice. But he said afterwards, like, maybe now he's finally come out of the shadow of Robin and Ribery. Interesting you said that because it's... I, yes, yes, I, I can see where he's coming from because at the end of the day, it was Coman who was brought in as a replacement for them or to slowly ease him in because he was obviously brought in at age 18, 19. Um... And it started out with Coman and Costa, and everyone's like, Jesus Christ, Bayern just have two freaking rockets on the wings, you know, who just pace, pace, pace. Then Costa kind of, you know, after, half a se- after the first half of his first season, just kind of tapered off and never really produced anything noteworthy again. Um, and, and that's why Bayern sold him after two seasons. Coman, similar except it was injuries that kept him back and it wasn't just pure loss of form. It was injuries that, that kept knocking him back. Um, as much as I want to say that he is like the ideal replacement for Ribery and Robin, it's going to be hard to compete with Leroy Sané because Leroy Sané just looks that much more of a complete player with the end product that I said Coman has been missing. And I say Coman has been missing that end product because he has so often in Bayern matches throughout the season, especially in the last two, had some problems when it came, when it came to finishing. Yeah, and he scored the winning goal in a Champions League final. And yet today there's still stuff going around that 
oh, well, maybe they're willing to let him leave on loan to United. And it's like, can you not have a day off? Like, let the kid... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kid has won everything. He hasn't. He has not had a season he's without won, a trophy. The guy does not know what it trophy. means to lose. Yeah, That's the guy does not know what it means to lose. If he comes to United, he'll get a crash course in it. <laughs> I I highly doubt though that Bayern will ever sell Kingsley Coman because either he stays on as one of the to complete the you know the quad of wingers that Bayern want, or he um, or he actually does make cement himself into the starting position, but. If there's a winger that Bayern are going to let go, it's probably Perisic because, and that's literally he's just, only on loan. yeah, well, only be not just because he's only on loan. It's just the financial package is a bit too much, um, for a for a 31 year old backup winger, something in the in the in the span of 10 million euros a year, and Inter want at least 15 million as a buying fee. That's what, so, that's what stopped Jose Mourinho buying him a couple seasons ago. Exactly, exactly. The complete package of Perisic is just too expensive. Whether Bayern can get him to basically say, you know, take a haircut on the fee or on your on your salary, um, it's not going to be a big one, but, you know, we need a haircut nonetheless because, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're 31, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think that Bayern side's going in a, in a... It's going in a distinct direction. It's going for young... Exactly. players, which I think is the way football's going. You're not going to get people, you know, 31. You've still got a few good seasons in you, but you're not an attractive option for a, a top team. Hence why Thiago is trying to get a, la- get a last minute move before he turns 30. So, I mean, once you get that, the wrong side of 30, I think top teams are going to start looking at you and going, eh. yeah. We don't want to be giving you like a five-year deal when you've only been good for like two of those. Exactly. I mean, I I think um, I don't know if it's Chelsea or what, which English team do this. Um, I want to say it's Chelsea though, which is one of the sticking points why actually uh, Michael Balak left uh, in 2010. Um, it was the fact that any player over 30 does not get more than a one-year contract. Yeah, probably. Which, I think it's, sensible. it's a sensible thing to do. I'd say it's a bit harsh if you've got a 30-year-old player and you're just like, yeah, your contract's done, you're 30 years old, you're not getting more than a one-year contract. Like, I could see, once, once a player's 32, yeah, 100%. Definitely give them only one-year contracts. But it's a little bit harsh when you've got, you know, a 30-year-old player because I'd still argue that at 30, some players can hit their prime. Yeah. I mean, some players deteriorate quite quickly. Some, like Pirlo and Giggs, last till their 40s. So, it's a difficult one. But it'd be interesting to see if you do sign Perisic, given that you won't have, well, you probably won't have Coutinho, seeing as Leroy Sane scored his number 10. Exactly. And, you know, also the fact that Bayern now with winning the Champions League have just got another major plus on the bank account. Have you got any more players that you've scabbed from other Bundesliga clubs joining for free other than Nubel? 
No, not really. I think the Bayern transfer mill is more or less done. I think they made their big signing in Leroy Sané and were like, well, we'll have a look and see what this team does with, you know, the Champions League final tournament. And depending on how good that goes, you know, maybe we won't do anything more. And seeing as they won the Champions League with the team they already had in place and now they're just going to get better. I th- and you know more play- more and more players are going to come back from injury. I think there's no real point in going for anyone anymore other than a right back to back up Benjamin Pava. That's the only acquisition I could see them making. And I obviously, wish United's transfer dealings were so simple. <laughs> I really do. Oh well. Anyway, that half hour episode. Concludes a 40 the... minutes episode. Yeah, <laughs> we we lengthened it a little bit, but you know, it was uh, but when you've got a man with claws like a wolverine, <laughs> you've got to take some time out of your day to, to talk about it, to give a, to give him the rundown of how he should be keeping his hands if he's going to be a, if those are going to be featured on TV. What if his toenails are the same length? Oh, oh God. I'm pr- I'm, I mean, I'm low-key praying for his wife. Walk around <laughs> in Birkenstock so they can just hang over the edge. No. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so do, you want to give us, do you want to give our listeners the, after, you know, after that colorful imagery, uh, do you want to give, us, give our listeners the rundown of what is happening the next two weeks? I'm a linguistic master. What can I say? Exactly. Yeah, I will. So we're taking a break. Obviously, where there's there's no football to talk about. Or maybe the transfers, but... <laughs> but it's been quite slow transfer-wise. So we're, we've decided to take a break. And we're going to essentially rebrand a little bit. Change, got some new things coming Change in. a few things. There's some new things coming. I, I know SoundCloud isn't, you know, everyone's choice of podcast platform, but it was just the one we chose to start out with. We're looking at Google Podcasts, which will be easier to listen to, more accessible for some people, and we're looking into Spotify as well. Yeah, it's to the ground, people. Next season, we're going to look at doing things a lot more consistently. We're going to try and have more guests on, because I know when we had Em and James from Birmingham Fan TV on, that was one of our most listened to. Whether people were just sick of listening to me and you, I don't know. <laughs> or whether it was the uh, I mean, <laughs> might, might, be, might actually uh, have, some, have a point there. <laughs> it's fine. I, uh, I get sick of editing us too. So. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> like listening to my own voice. But... <laughs> but, you know, what essentially started out as a, I'm bored. Are you bored? Yeah, I'm bored. Should we do a podcast type conversation? when there was no football on and everyone was in lockdown and I'll be honest, I didn't think we'd stick with it. No, I don't think so either because we, when we, when we tried to launch AT sports the first time around about a year ago now, it's crazy to think it lasted a solid month before yeah, we were, going we down both, the tubes. Both just out of uni, neither of us had a job and it was like, yeah, should we do this? Yeah, it'd be great. And then it's just sort of petered out. But I've genuinely really enjoyed doing these. 
Definitely, definitely. And it's uh, it's been some fun times. Been some you know, fun times. They, they say no feed. You know, no feedback is good feedback because people only give you advice when it's shit. <laughs> but I've had a couple. You know, one of my mates, Ryan, listens to it all the time, and you know, it's like support from people that I didn't think would be like, oh yeah, it's really good. It's been actually really nice. And we're going to keep going next season and we're going to move on to better things, visual stuff, maybe. Exactly. We might, we might have a little delve into YouTube, who knows, but have a look in about two weeks time. We will be back September 9th with episode 16 of the 50 plus one football podcast, or maybe it'll be season two, episode one, who knows. But we will be having a little bit of re- of a rebranding. Um, keep your eyes on our socials. Have a listen of the past episodes if you haven't already. Have a little re-listen. We'll be back in two weeks. Maybe in a different form. Maybe just the same old, same old. But from all of us here at AT Sports, have a good summer break. It's been fun. Loved it. Keep calm, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.